following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Good morning. Our call to worship is going to be Psalms 99, and the words will be up on the screen. The Lord is king. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Mighty king, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God, worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called on his name. They cried to the Lord and answered them. He spoke to them in pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statues that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You are a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Extol the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. The uh, first gospel reading this morning is from Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up to the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The second reading is also from Matthew uh, chapter 6. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Oh, hi again, everybody. There is... um... There's a lot to talk about today, actually. There's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot going on here at Artisan. Uh, We're finishing up today a three-week series about spiritual practices leading into the season of Lent, when I hope that you'll actually practice these spiritual practices. And I want to talk about one of them today. You can probably guess what it is from the readings. So actually, let's start there. Uh, I want to let you know that today's topic is going to be about fasting. And I would like to acknowledge right from the beginning that I know there can be a lot of pain that comes um, with anything related to food for many people. And maybe especially trying to put food uh, and eating and not eating in together with spirituality could be really difficult, painful, problematic even for some people. And uh, so my promise to you is that I'm going to handle that with care. And actually the truth is little uh, spoiler alert for closer to the end of the sermon. I'm not really going to place that much emphasis on a traditional food fast. I have something else in mind that I want to share with you. Um, but that being said, I do totally understand that, it, that you might want to opt out of this one. You might want to be closing your Zoom window. You might want to um, pretend that we have coffee right now and go fresh in your coffee and just <laughs> not come back in. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I hope, actually, we will have coffee again before too, too much longer. We'll see. Um, or, or perhaps it's just helpful to know that that's, that's what's coming. That's the topic today. And uh, you can maybe kind of prepare yourself for that. 
So uh, as you know, if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, we're, we're concluding this three-week series today about simple spiritual practices. And again, it's leading up into the season of Lent, which is a, traditionally a season when people maybe dig a little bit deeper into their spiritual practice, maybe try to do something new or stop doing something old. Um, and, and the reason for this series, well, there's a few of them, but one of them is that it really occurred to us as we were thinking through what does our community need right now? And I'm not using the royal we. This is actually people in leadership here who have these types of conversations. Um, That one of the things, one of many things, but one of the things that maybe we can address that has fallen away from us in the last two years is kind of spiritual practice in general. Um, I don't know about you. I actually think I do know about you a little bit. But I will for now only speak for myself that during the pandemic, there have been many moments, some of them lasting weeks and months, and maybe the entire time, where I just said, I cannot think about that right now. All I can do is put one foot in front of the other, you know, metaphorically speaking, to get myself through to the end of today so I can fall asleep and wake up tomorrow and try again. Right. Anybody else? Yeah. I thought I was not the only one. Yeah. And so one of the things that happens when, the, when you're in that kind of crisis mode is, is that you know, anything that's not like crucially important, central to your existence, is it, it can fall away. And for so many of us, like a, a, a daily spiritual practice, we might like to wish it was crucial to our existence, but when it comes time to actually get from wake up to go to sleep, it's, it just doesn't make the cut. Right. And so our hope is that these three simple spiritual practices that can hopefully be done by any person, with, regardless of experience or lack, that hopefully can be done at any time in almost any place, that these three spiritual practices will be something that you can kind of use as we go through the season of Lent, maybe to try to replace that back into your life. And maybe it'll stick with you beyond Lent, too. So I'll give you a review of the spiritual practices in case you haven't been here all the time. And I would encourage you to to go listen back to these. They're on our podcast. They're archived on our Facebook page, the video versions from our services. Um, the first week was the, uh, the prayer of examine, which is simply a prayer of noticing. You're specifically trying to notice times when you've been with God and times when God has been with you. You know, since the last time you prayed the prayer. I mean, it's classic form. This is done daily or twice a day. And it can be a long, involved thing where you really set your situation perfect and you dedicate your whole mind and and being to it for a period of a half an hour or more, or it can be done in 15 or 20 seconds when you have a chance to take a little breath, spiritually speaking. But the prayer of noticing is the place that I wanted to start with this because so much of our spiritual practice actually um, requires us to be people who notice things. Notice what we're doing, notice what God seems to be doing. And I also chose that one first because it's a perfect spiritual practice for people who've been completely lax lately or who, you know, justifiably, maybe because of what's going on in the world around us, have not had any spiritual practice for some time. You can dive right in with the, the prayer of examine. And I hope that some of you did. Um, in, in the second week, last week, I talked about centering prayer, which is simply the idea of sitting quietly and focusing your mind and your heart and your spirit on a word or an image typically from scripture, but you could really get it from almost anywhere. And you, you let that word from, from the Lord 
or that image, that picture, you let that be the thing that you focus your attention on, and then when, not if, your mind wanders off to something else, you return to that image or that word. And ideally you do that without any judgment or scolding of yourself or anything like that. And I love this spiritual practice as well. And again, it's one that can be done just about anywhere and by any person. You don't have to have any experience. So I wonder, um, we've had two weeks of having a teaching on a spiritual practice and then actually trying it in the room together, many of us who've been here. I wonder, how many of you have tried this on your own, either uh, the prayer of examine or a centering prayer or maybe both? Is there anybody who had an experience with that in the last week who you, you found it was really meaningful? Um, I'm tempted to, to turn the microphone on and, and have you share because it's been so rich an experience for me, even just having you share in the, in the immediate response from what you've tried in the room. But I realized as I was planning this today that the question of what happened for you this past week is probably quite fraught. This has been a really hard week, hasn't it? So I'd actually like to stop and talk about that for a minute. We are a community of faith. We are God's people. We are spiritual siblings. And I think at times like this when we've had a difficult week, when there's been major stuff happening in the world around us that we wish wasn't happening, when we feel anxious or worried, it can be really helpful to hear from each other about what it is, is, what it is that's causing us to feel anxious or worried or afraid. And I wonder if we can build some solidarity around that um, before we move on to this third spiritual practice that I want to share with you. So I, I am going to turn the microphone on. Um, acknowledging and recognizing that it can be very an intimate thing to share about your anxieties, your fears, your worries. But if you feel like you are willing to do that, I, I do believe that quite sincerely, actually, that it would be meaningful for the other people um, who are worshiping together in this place today. And um, uh, if you type something into the Zoom chat, I, I'll read it out. If you send me a direct message in the Zoom chat, I won't use your name, but I'll assume otherwise that you are okay with your name being used. And I'd like you to use the microphone just so that the people worshiping online can hear as well. So what I want to ask you to do is name the thing and you might assume everybody knows what it is already, but maybe you have a different one. Um, and then tell us a, a little bit about why that has you worried. Is anybody willing to do that? I know that's a, a big ask. So what has um, made me just very hurt and very emotional has been going on with what's going on in Florida and Texas with the LGBT community. Um, for people that don't know, um, the state of Florida is, you know, passing the don't say gay bill where elementary and secondary schools will not be able to use, um, you know, LGBT history um, within their, you know, within their curriculums. And then with Texas, um, they are trying to pass a law where parents would be um, charged, you know, negligent with have trans children in the community or in their household that is um, and so me being a person that is willing to fight against that that just brought me a lot of hurt that people are willing 
you know, to just diminish the, you know, the stories and the strength that the LGBT community has. And, and for somebody that just came back into the LGBT community after 10 years of, you know, religious trauma and such, it just reminds me of what I'm willing to stand for and stand against and fight for the rights that, you know, that we may have now for the kids that may not. So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I would like to ask either by um, uh, show of hands or maybe in the Zoom if you want to use that little thumbs up feature. Is anybody else worried about that right now? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of hands up in the room. And I don't actually see the thumbs ups on Zoom, so that's okay. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's a vulnerable thing that you just shared with this whole room full of people, some of whom you know and trust and some of whom you don't know. Um, I hope that we will honor you with the trust that you just um, showed. While someone else might want to share something, I'll read a couple things out from Zoom here. Um, Del says, a few years ago I decided to become a, a pacifist, but this week had me questioning my decision. How about that one? Anybody resonating with that, feeling some of that? Um, and Scott says, a confluence of events, the war in Ukraine, the anti-gay legislation in our country, change in our own lives. See, now there's something that goes from the global to the national to the individual. Um, and I know that we all have our own kind of soups, our own stews of things that are, are troubling us. Um, and uh, Stephen Lee to say, consumed with the pain of the children in Ukraine hiding in subways. How about that? Anybody else fear, feeling sorrow and anxiety about this? Yes. Go ahead. Um, it's, it's a cumulative thing. You know, for me, um, what um, Sean was mentioning and also uh, I was listening to, <laughs> I'm so white, I was listening to Fresh Air. And um, there was an episode from, I think, last week about teachers facing penalty for mentioning um, verboten topics in their, yeah. uh, in their classes, largely around um, LGBT, uh, just the existence of LGBT folk, and then also um, anything to do with... Uh, racial justice um, basically the the only things that they're allowed to say is that racism is an individual um, is an individual problem you know that, that they they can't mention anything about um, systemic problems there are some laws that are saying that they can't say anything that could cause discomfort to a, ch a child which kind of might sound good, but you can't you can't challenge anyone that way, and even you can't even say if if a parent gets cranky about it, you you can't even just talk about facts. Mm -hmm. And these are written so broadly that teachers are going to be they they could easily be attacked. I'm a teacher's kid. Yeah. Um, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then you know another layer on top of that personally um, is that we're dealing with with cancer in the family. Thankfully, it's very treatable. But 
it's uh, that's that's a, a just supporting our family members. Uh, that's that's a hard thing to do, and mm -hmm. this on top of both of us working at a hospital all through COVID, it's been freaking exhausting. Yeah, and. Yeah. It may be because I had a bit of a rough morning this morning, but I'm I, just listening to all those things. I'm about to cry. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else about to cry? Yeah, I'm not making light of that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of heavy stuff you just shared with us there. And um, whether it's racism or the kind of control that seems to be trying to be exercised over what schools can teach and what parents can do and um, whether it's health problems in your own family or work stress. I mean, so, much of the, so many of these things are already present with us, and then you get like this geopolitical huge thing, and it's, you're, you're already at capacity, right? You, just, you, you already are operating at your maximum capacity for strife, and then there's something else. Um, and... Uh, I'm not interested in, really in, in trying to explain away any of that, but I will say one thing that the pandemic has taught me is that I had no idea how resilient we all were. You know, we make the joke about two weeks to flatten the curve. You all remember that, right? It didn't flatten the curve. Um, if you'd told any one of us, it's not, it's not gonna be two weeks, it's gonna be more like two years, and then you're still not gonna be quite sure if it's really over or starting to be over yet. I'm not sure, I, I don't know how many of us would have really been able to function with that knowledge, right? But making our way through life one day at a time, we've, we've all arrived here together. How resilient and strong we actually are, so much more so than we would have given ourselves credit for. And so if you are feeling the weight of this, with, uh, with no intention to diminish how real any of it is, I will encourage you to remember how strong you have been over these last two years just by making it this far and how faithful God has been in, in caring for you and for us through it all. Let me read out a couple more things from Zoom and then I want to pray for us. So Dan says, I fear for how the war in Ukraine has the potential to become a global existential issue. Now there is a specific articulation of a very real fear. Anybody else? How many of you were kids in the 80s like I was, right? Yeah. And then um, our friend Vila is in Finland. And he says, we're feeling the war a bit differently here. And we are um, surrounding you with our love from afar. Um, <clears throat> So I'm going to say a, a brief pastoral prayer, and then I'm going to pray the words of Psalm 27, which are not on the screen, so I'll ask, I apologize. I'll ask you just to listen, and, and um, that's at the recommendation of uh, Pastor Brenda Salter-McNeil, uh, who put this on Instagram this week as a, a source of prayer, words that we can use for our own prayer. Let's pray. Oh God, we are reminded this week that the world is a scary place. 
that there are hostile powers, that so many people who are in power are hostile. We grieve seeing one group of Christians rising up against another group of Christians. We grieve to see humans dehumanizing. We have no solutions and, and in some ways feel that we have no words. So we pray for the grace and strength to trust in you. Not only just to make it through this time, but to be able to make a difference in our world in a way that really ends up mattering. And that feels so impossible, like it would be the biggest miracle of all. We pray to you, O God of miracles, that it would be real and true for us. Amen. Continuing in a spirit of prayer, hear these words from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me on a path, a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Don't ever let anybody tell you that these ancient documents have no relevance or meaning for us today. Those words could have been written in the minutes following what all of you just shared. And I hope that they bring you strength. Okay, let's take a few minutes that we have left and talk about the spiritual practice for the week, which, as I told you earlier, is fasting. Fasting, uh, very simply, is the act of voluntarily abstaining from food for a period of time with the intention of gaining some spiritual focus. 
That's the concise definition that I can give you. Now, interestingly enough, fasting is never commanded in the scriptures. There is nowhere in the Bible that it says you must fast. But there are so many examples of God's people fasting that by the time we get to Jesus' teaching on it, he says, as you may have noticed in the gospel reading today from Matthew 6, when you fast, the assumption being you're going to fast. When you do it, here's how to do it, and importantly, how not to do it. And here Jesus gives what I think is one of the most hilarious and wonderful teachings of his whole ministry. And sometimes you read the Bible and it seems so sacred and holy and you miss um, what's happening. So what he says, if you didn't catch it in Matthew 6, is whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. And here's the part that I think is quite hilarious. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward. Now, the first 150 times I read that, I I thought that probably just means that they've gotten whatever benefit there is from getting, from fasting. Like, God has rewarded them for what they're doing. Just let them have their thing and they'll disfigure their faces and it'll be fine. I think what Jesus is actually saying is they've received their reward. Their reward is you looking at them and knowing that they're fasting. They're disfiguring their faces so that everybody knows what they're going through. And they got what they wanted. I think that's what Jesus is saying there. Anyway, for what it's worth. So if you've never tried fasting before, I'm going to give you a few um, pointers for how it can work for you. Um, Maybe if you've tried it and and failed at it, it, so to speak, um, this will help. But then, as I said earlier, I actually have something different in mind for for how we might do a fast-like practice. Okay? So the first thing is this, as with all things, including all spiritual practices, start small and be intentional. Um, Remember, uh, especially if you know that you're a person who needs to do this, remember to be careful and gentle with yourself when it comes to things dealing with food. Um, So the simplest way to to start fasting, if you've never done it before, is simply to fast for one meal. And I don't mean accidentally. I don't mean like get working at your desk and suddenly it's 2.30 and you haven't had lunch and you go, oh, I fasted. Awesome. Listen, God might count that, but I won't. (laughs) Um, As a... As a uh, repeat offender of forgetting to eat lunch because I got distracted... um, it doesn't, it's not really, that's not really the, the goal. If you don't do it intentionally, you don't get some of the benefit of it, okay? So you can fast one um, meal per week. That would be a pretty doable thing for most people, I think. You might choose to fast one type of food for a period of time or one type of beverage. Um, if you've tried those things and you want to kind of go a little bit deeper, you, let's say you, you might want to try fasting for a whole day. Here's the number one tip for fasting for one whole day. Don't wake up and, and be fasting and, and not eat all day until tomorrow because that's actually much longer than a one-day fast because you've gone all night and since your last meal or midnight snack, whatever it was, and then you're going to go a whole 24 hours beyond that. So we're talking about 30, 36 hours of fasting at that point. Here's the sneaky way to do this. If you want to do a one-day fast, go from a meal on one day to that same meal on the next day. 
So eat breakfast, and then don't have lunch or dinner. And then when you wake up, have breakfast. That's a one-day fast. You can start at lunch, you can start at dinner, you can start at bowl of cereal at midnight, whatever your thing is, right? Just go, the 24 hours is, is one day. I know that's really complicated spiritual stuff, but it's easy to miss if you just think, I'm going to fast tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and not eat. Well, you're starting now, so just be aware of that. Um, and these little practical things can make a huge difference in whether you feel like you have succeeded in something, right? Because it's really, it's really awful to have done something really admirable and... and um, you set a goal for yourself and then not complete that goal and then feel like a spiritual failure. Right? We want to avoid that. We want to start small and be intentional and be manageable. Now, if you want to go longer than one day, if, you are, if you're ready to go for a longer than one day fast, I'm guessing you already have plenty of experience with fasting and you don't need pointers or tips from me. Um, but what you might need is some support. And so if you feel truly called to one of those more extreme types of fasting and you'd like a support for yourself during that time, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to, to do that. Now, something that's become a lot more common in recent years is to fast from something other than food. Now, it's not a literal fast if it's not food, but that doesn't mean it's not beneficial or useful, right? So you can fast from something other than food. <laughs> um, by the way, we all know there's a baby who's upset in the room, and I love it so much. <laughs> Um, the first time a baby made noise in the sanctuary after we'd been remote for months and months and months, I was like happier than I'd ever been. <laughs> and this, this baby in particular has been making the cutest face at me all morning and incredible, like that was way more distracting than the noise. I'm sorry to draw attention, but, um, we love our, uh, our little, <laughs> our little members. Um, wow. So you can fast from things other than food, and uh, the idea of giving something up for Lent, how many of you are familiar with that? Have you ever tried to give something up for Lent? That's kind of like a fast, right? And it could be food-related, or it could be something else. Um, one time I told my youth pastor I was going to give up listening to CDs for Lent. And he was like, he kind of gave me this, what on earth is that all about? He clearly did not understand the person that I was. <laughs> that was way harder than giving up chocolate for me. And it's possibly even more meaningful, if you're going to do something like that, to do it together with a group of people. And look, we have a group of people gathered here. <laughs> and so I'm going to suggest something here. It's, it's pretty rare. I think those of you who are longtime artisans will attest to this. It's pretty rare that I find myself drawn towards some specific call to action that I'm asking everybody to take when it comes to spiritual practices especially. Um, I am not your overlord. I'm just your pastor, and I acknowledge that everybody is different, and, and you truly do have to discern for yourself whether um, God is calling you to a, a specific thing or not. But to the extent that it is my job to discern something happening in our community and to share that with you, I'm going to offer this for you now. Um, something that stands out for me today that might be good for us to consider fasting from or giving up during Lent is uh, social media. There were a lot of people who went, hmm, <laughs> maybe the Holy Spirit is part of this <laughs> routine here, right? <laughs> Let me tell you what I heard in that, hmm, was, oh, thank God someone's going to tell me I have to do it. <laughs> I actually suspect that for some people, 
the number one thing you can do to get more out of your life and to get more serious about your spiritual life is to turn that stuff off. Now, there's all kinds of evidence about this. I could direct you to the studies. I've been recently exposed to them on some of the, some of the graduate studies that I'm doing about how social media affects our everything from body image to self-worth to all those things. But nobody's convinced by studies. Only people in graduate school are convinced by studies. <laughs> but here's the thing. I clearly don't need to convince you. You already know this, don't you? Um, with one possible exception, which I'll mention in a second, I bet if I asked you to raise your hand if social media has made your life better in the last three months, there wouldn't be very many hands that went up. We've been talking today about how scary the world can be. And I would propose to you that going on um, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or I'm less familiar with, with some of the others, TikTok and so forth, um, but that to me seems like when you are already feeling afraid, walking into one of those haunted mansion exhibits. Why would you do that to yourself? And by the way, they are all extremely well programmed to give you the very specific haunted house that you need to terrify yourself. And it's not just about fear, although that is part of it. It does stoke fears. It's whatever it is that's got you worked up and anxious. If you're an angry person about politics, you're going to walk into a haunted house full of angry people about politics pointing at all the things you're supposed to be pissed off about right now. If you're struggling with body image, you're going to walk through a haunted house that's a curated house full of false perfection. It's going to reinforce every lie that's being told to you. If you are um, above the fray type of person who's simply concerned about the spread of misinformation in the world on social media and how damaging that is to the people you love who've been completely sucked in by their algorithms, I got bad news for you, buddy. You're also sucked in by your algorithm and you are walking through a haunted house full of people who are worried about misinformation and they're making you feel more worried about it. Whatever it is, there's a haunted house out there for everyone. It's custom-made for each one of you. Fine-tuned to increase engagement, to make you click on stuff, to see more ads. And it is incredibly profitable. There's a really simple way, when you are feeling afraid, and there's a haunted house there, not to make yourself feel more afraid. Can you guess what it is? Don't go in the haunted house. Let alone go into the haunted house every time you touch your phone. Which for some of you might be every two hours. And I'm guessing for most of you it's a little more frequently than that. Now, I'm not saying that none of these things matter. I am not saying that you should bury your head in the sand. But I promise you, I promise you, you do not need to engage with 
social networks in order to be informed about what's happening in the world enough to care at the level that you should care as a person of faith who wants to bring God's love into the world, who wants to grow in your own faith. It is not necessary to have that level of exposure to every little thing or that much exposure to every enormous thing so frequently. I promise it's not required. You can live your life without it. Now, <clears throat> it's later in my notes, but I'm going to go to it now because I sense that I need to go to it now. The, the exception that I mentioned a minute ago, that I know, I know for a fact that for some people, particularly people who are part of marginalized communities, um, particularly those who are in geographical areas where they have no support systems, um, that, that an online support system is incredibly meaningful and powering and strengthening for you. And I'm not telling you that, that you have to cut yourself off from that. And if it would be helpful for you, if, if you are feeling both of the things I've just described, you, you want to have less of the haunted house aspect, but you need that network, I, I would be very happy to spend some time trying to talk with you or emailing with you about ways that you might be able to kind of have your cake and eat it too. You know, just off the top of my head, maybe you could find the three best people who are in your online circle and, and send them a message saying, hey, for the next week could I text with you, just the three of us, or the four of us, instead of having to put myself into the full-on fire hose every time I need some support? You might find that they would say yes to that. I don't know. Um, you, might, you might, instead of giving it up altogether, you might need to set time limits for yourself. You know, there are very practical things that you can do. You can say, I'm going to give myself five minutes of strength <laughs> by going to this social network that's so power, empowering to me right now. And you set an actual timer on your phone, and when it goes off, you say, okay, I'm going to trust that God gave me enough just now. Right? Um, those are just a couple of things. Again, I'm, I don't have time to imagine every scenario, but I'd be happy to try to work on some of that with you. Okay. I don't know how much this is landing. I think, that, I think it's taking a little bit of... I'm getting a little bit of traction with some of you. Um, so I want to offer a couple of practical how-tos for you. And I'm a person who deleted Facebook in 2016. Yes, that was the reason. And then deleted Twitter, basically, in 2020. Yes, that was also the reason. <laughs> I'm still using Instagram and Reddit, and I, I'm, I'm going to try to do this with you if you want to do this as a community together. Um, in those networks that I'm still using. But here's a couple of tips. First of all, don't, you don't have to make a big show of it. You don't have to announce to everybody, hey, everybody, I'm going to be taking social media fast during Lent. <laughs> it, you could do that, but let's just say you would have received your reward. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't have to disfigure your face. <laughs> you can do the Irish goodbye. <laughs> Here's another thing that's super helpful. Don't just cut something out of your life. Replace it with something else. So cut this thing out that's, that's causing you strife and pain and anxiety and fear. Get rid of the haunted house. But now you're going to have a, a void to fill. Before you make the cut, know what you're going to put in that void. Right? And maybe that's um, a weekly phone call with a parent 
Um, or maybe it's a, you know, a, a, a walk in, in nature or um, could be a lot of things. But just replace something. Don't just cut something. And, you know, um, dare I say it, you could replace, in some cases, you could replace those virtual interactions with physical in-person interactions. I recognize that not everybody's ready to do that yet, and for, for good reason in many cases. But getting together in person is a lot safer than it was a year ago. It's actually a lot safer than it was a month ago. Um, we're doing these Tuesdays together during Lent. I would encourage you to come out and just talk about how your week has gone. Right? You might find that you get a lot of strength from that. Well, I'm eating up a lot of time here. I'm so sorry. If you're not comfortable with a, a group interaction indoors, um, you know, we do get usually at least one hour of sun here in Rochester every week. And if you time it right, you might be able to go outside during that and, and meet with a friend outdoors. So. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. Again, I want to approach this with as much humility as I can. Um, uh, it's possible that this is not on target for every one of you right now. And if that's the case, I would, to the extent that you need my permission, just let it go past. It's okay. Something else will come up for you. Give up coffee for Lent or something instead. It's okay. <laughs> but I wonder, I do actually wonder what powerful thing God might have in store for, for you, for us as artists in church if we removed that significant distraction, that significant source of anxiety from our lives. And so, um, we're, we're up against time here, but I, I want to I model for you not skipping the quiet moment just because you're running out of time. So I'm going to give you a quiet moment. And during that quiet moment, I would like you to inquire of God whether this specific thing seems to be something that God is calling you to be part of as part of this community. And if not, what, might, what else might be there? All right? So let's take a, a quiet moment to do that. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.